Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Episode Ocho, CCT, Choose Chalk Talk, bringing you some great college football action this week. As you know, I'm Chu, as in Choose Chalk Talk. Yes, this is my Chalk Talk. And uh, welcome, everybody, back. Can't believe we're eight weeks through the season, starting tomorrow. It's a great time. Leaves are starting to change. Fall weather starting to roll around. Very excited for college football. It's crazy. We're over halfway throughout the season. And much more is beginning to happen. A lot of games left. A lot of important key games left. To shake everything up for a playoff selection in January. So, we shall see. We shall see what happens at the end of December and in the ensuing playoff games and the championship. But let's dive in real quick. Start off with some of the key games from last weekend. We'll get some recap going here. First game I like to start out with is the Oklahoma State-Texas game. Oklahoma State narrowly defeated Texas 32-24 by 8 points. Oklahoma State is now 6-0. They are number 8 in the country. Texas fell to 4-3. They are not ranked anymore. Oklahoma State had one turnover. Texas had two. So again, right off the bat, more turnovers, you're probably not going to win the game. Again, it's possible. I'm not saying it's not. But turnovers, drive killers, shoot yourself in the foot, silly mistakes that doesn't help a team win. Oklahoma State dominated a lot of the yardage, majority of the rushing yardage, which I was shocked about because Texas has B. John Robinson. And that man is a Heisman frontrunner at this point. Big running back. He's a stud. So going over some individual stats, Sanders, their quarterback for Oklahoma State, was 19-32, 178 yards passing, threw one touchdown and one interception. And the running back, Warren, had 33 rushes for 193 yards. Now flipping over to Texas. Quarterback Thompson was 15 to 27. Threw for 179 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. Bijan Robinson, like I said, one of the front runners for the Heisman Trophy at this point. He had 21 rushes for 135 yards and two touchdowns. So not a bad day for him. Again, nothing outstanding. Obviously. To his standards, that's an outstanding day for any running back. 21 rushes, 135 yards, and two touchdowns. But he's had more explosive games. And again, I expect more out of him in the future, especially if he wants to win the Heisman and be there in January. Little side note, I would say the Heisman frontrunners right now are Bryce Young of Alabama, Matt Crow of Ole Miss, and B. John Robinson of Texas. And that's not biased. That's straight up. Those three players have been the most talked about, have progressed and shown a lot of hype, growth, ex- excellent skills of football on the field. So those are probably three front runners in my eyes and a majority of the country's eyes at this point right now. If you look at uh, like a list, a short list for the Heisman, those are probably your top three that you'll see. And there's other guys mentioned. Some people throw uh, Caleb Williams, Oklahoma's new quarterback, a true freshman in there, but he started too late. If he would have started from the beginning of the season, maybe. C.J. Stroud, Ohio State's quarterback, Michigan State's uh, running back. 
I've seen even Georgia's big defensive tackle, number 99. I'm forgetting his name at this point. But um, I've heard a lot of different things for dark horses and different names thrown in the mix, which is awesome. Now we're switching over to, before actually we switch over to the next game, Oklahoma State is now number eight. They're 6-0. They look like the only competition for Oklahoma in the basketball conference, a.k.a. the Big 12. They play each other last game of the season. It is in Oklahoma State. So definitely circle that game on your calendars. It's going to be a barn burner for the state of Oklahoma. Probably, again, will be the Big 12 championship. They'll probably play each other again for it. So it might be a sneak preview. But keep an eye on Oklahoma State as they go throughout the season to potentially contend for the Big 12 championship and maybe playoff spot. Who knows? Next, switch it over to Cincinnati versus UCF. Cincinnati handily defeated UCF, 56-21. Cincinnati is now 6-0, the number two team in the country. UCF now fell 3-3. Cincinnati had one turnover. UCF had three turnovers, like I said. You have more turnovers than the other team, you're probably not going to win the game. Fortunately, sorry to break it to you, but it's the truth. Since he dominated this game in rushing and passing, individual stats, Ritter, their quarterback, was 13-23 for 140 yards and one touchdown. So not a crazy day for him. But majority of the load was left to the running back forward. He had 20 rushes for 189 yards and four touchdowns. Just put that in perspective. Man almost had 10 yards a clip. And four touchdowns. Man balled out. Shout out to Ford. It's an awesome game. Damn good game. Awesome. UCF's quarterback, Keen, was 16-27, 139 yards, one touchdown, he threw four, and two interceptions. Again, Cincinnati. They're the non-Power 5 team. They play in the AAC. Have the very weak-ass, suspect schedule playing a weak suspect conference. But the problem is, and I was talking to one of my buddies today about this, Foo, about the reason why Cincinnati is so high over other teams like Oklahoma or, you know, other undefeated teams like Michigan, Michigan State, because Cincinnati started in the, I think in one of the first polls, they were like seven or eight. So they started really high because they almost beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl last year. And they had a lot of people come back, including the quarterback Ritter, who's looked awesome. So they kept winning games, and then they beat Notre Dame, who I believe was like the five or six team in the country at the time, in Notre Dame. So that was their signature win. And again, if they keep winning, they're going to stay at number two or probably maybe move to number three if other teams go undefeated. But this year, Cincinnati, if they go undefeated, will be making the playoff. You can book it, say it right now, because they were ranked so high. They're probably not going to move unless they lose, obviously. If they lose, they're not making the playoff, but they should go undefeated. They got Navy this week, who's like 1-5. Play teams like East Carolina and scrub teams. So, again, I expect them to win their conference, go undefeated. They'll be in the playoffs. You can book that. Say, call Vegas, tell, tell them, Chu told you to book it. Next, we shall shift to the Georgia-Kentucky game. Georgia handily whooped Kentucky 30-13. to Georgia, the number one team in the nation, is now 7-0. Kentucky fell to 6-1. They're the 15th ranked team in the country. Now, Georgia, again, 
like we've been saying past couple weeks about Georgia, they just imposed their will on Kentucky, dominated the rush in the past, the line of scrimmage. Again, Georgia, hats off to them. They are breaking some serious records if they hold out the whole season and win the national championship. I saw a stat the other day, best defensive or like uh, points per game, you know, in the modern college football era, like the past 25 years. Alabama's team in 2011, their defense held opponents like eight point something points per game. And Georgia's defense right now is at like six point something. So if they were to win the Natty and go on and win the rest of the season and go undefeated, or even lose a game and go undefeated and win the Natty, they would beat that record set by Alabama's defense in 2011. So, again, we know Georgia's defense is ridiculous. We know it's absolutely insane. It's, again, one of the best defenses that college football has seen in a long, long, long time. Long, long time, probably. Again, since 2011, Bama teams or some other good SEC, some Ohio State defenses throughout the day, some past defenses that you know we're really not used to seeing. Because, again, like I say always, college football has changed. And... It has become a more offensive, high-scoring. Obviously, there's still defense and good defensive teams, but not as dominant as what we're seeing from Georgia this year. They're led by, here's his name, number 99 of the defensive line, Jordan Davis, who, according to, I'm looking it up right now, he is 6'6", 330 pounds. The man is a force. I don't know if you got to see them play. So he's the nose tackle. That means he's the defensive lineman that lines up directly over to center. Obviously, sometimes he moves over guards or tackles, but he's an interior lineman, and the man's a house. You can't miss him. But, again, Georgia's been killing it. Again, I'm still suspect on their offense, but, again, they have proved me wrong week in and week out. But I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon and say their offense is unstoppable. Because, honestly, I think it is. I think it is beatable. It's their defense what you have to worry about. But going to individual stats, Bennett, a.k.a. the mailman, the quarterback, was 14 of 20, threw for 250 yards and three touchdowns. So he didn't have to work a lot. He threw 20 passes. So, again, the model with Bennett in the game is have him get rid of the ball, not throw many passes, just rely on the running game and their big offensive line to protect him. And he'll scoot off and he'll run the ball a little bit. Um, one of their wide receivers, Bowers, had five catches for 101 yards and two touchdowns. That is also insane. That's like 20 yards a clip, which is ridiculous. Shout out to that man, Bowers. Balled out. Honestly, Georgia dominated this game. Total yards at 416 yards. Kentucky had 244. So they just willed them out of the game. Stats for Kentucky's quarterback, Levis, was 32 for 42. 193 yards and two touchdowns. So... Honestly, you might say, well, 192, three yards and two touchdowns, that's a lot of yards. It is, but like in this era of college football, like that's a great game. Majority of teams let up over 200 yards to a really good team. So, again, Georgia's defense is for real. They're nasty. Again, ask that man Jordan Davis in the middle of the field, number 99. I wouldn't want to go against him. I played football in high school when I was a center. And I wasn't big at all. I was probably in high school, I was like 180 pounds. Maybe I was like 5'10", 5'11". So yeah, good luck going against him. Good luck, offensive lineman.
But um, Georgia, they control their own destiny. They would probably they have so they have a bye week this week. Next week they play Florida in the Georgia Florida game. That's always a big game. It's held in Jacksonville, Florida, neutral site, and um, that's a very big game. I'm actually going to have one of my buddies, my buddy Jared, who I met down in Jacksonville. He's one of my best friends. Met him in February when I started working. He went to the University of Florida. His whole family went to the University of Florida. You can say he's a big Gator. <laughs> Albert himself, their best friends, by the way, Albert being their mascot. But I'm going to have him come on for a little college view on college football, CV, CB, CFB, I guess I should say, college view of college football. And uh, I'll have him talk about, you know, just the historic history behind the Georgia-Florida game, how it's the world's biggest cocktail party. That's what he told me, which is kind of nuts just to think about it. And some of the great games and great memories he's had just from that game, from going to the University of Florida, et cetera, et cetera. So stay tuned for that next week. But what I wanted to say about Georgia was that they control their own destiny. If they go undefeated, beat Alabama, whoever does come out of the SEC West, win the SEC, they'll be the number one seed in the playoff. And honestly, I think they'll win the Natty. I really don't see anyone outside the SEC potentially beating them. Yes, they can have a bad day. Obviously, everyone has bad days. But um, I guess we'll see. I, I, I can confidently say I think Alabama has the best chance to beat them out of any team in the country. But we'll see. Last but not least, we'll switch to the Purdue-Iowa game. Just the biggest news coming off last week, number two, Iowa. They were number two in the country. They got upset. Upset alert. Bing, 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 bing. You know what that is? That is the sound of reality. The Iowa Hawkeyes were floating and soaring high, but now they have fell back to earth. Because I've said it on this podcast, everyone in the community knows, family we have here knows that I did not have faith in Iowa. I knew that they were good, but I had a feeling that when they played tougher opponents, they would lose. And I'm not saying Purdue is a tough opponent, no offense to Purdue, but they got smoked. I'll go over some numbers here. So Purdue defeated Iowa 24-7. Purdue is now ranked 25 in the country. They are 4-2. Iowa is 6-1. They fell to 11. That's a big slide. Nine, nine rankings. Purdue had one turnover. Iowa had four. Now again, you have four turnovers, you're probably not going to win the game. So, Hawkeyes, I don't know what the heck you're doing, but sheesh. Sheesh! You screwed up. Go over some individual numbers here. For Iowa, Petrus, the quarterback, 17-32 passing, threw for 195 yards, four interceptions. They had 271 total yards. Purdue dominated. They had 464 total yards. So Iowa, you didn't even show up to play. You got you came out flat. You, you looked complacent. That is the word. And Nick Saban has talked about it a lot just because he is always known for going after reporters and being cranky a bunch of times, but he goes after reporters. And one of my favorite things a couple of years ago was, says he compared 
with the media was hyping up a Bama team. They were saying how good they were. And Saban called it rat poison. And it's like rat poison to the players because he was saying that you, being the reporters, tell them how good they are. And then they get satisfied like a fat cat or complacent. And then they can go out and be upset or not play to that potential level. And honestly, I think that's what happened to Iowa. They were complacent. And they got their butts whooped. So Iowa was a good run for a couple weeks in the top top four, top two in the country. But now it's a fallback to reality. Purdue's quarterback, O'Connor, is 30 of 40. 375 yards passing and two touchdowns. Bell, one of their wide receivers, had 11 catches for 240 yards and one touchdown. Again, Purdue dominated the rushing and the passing game, and Iowa didn't even show up. Iowa, shame on you, man. Again, you had it. The opportunity was in your hands. All you had to do was coast throughout your rest of your regular season schedule, get up for the Big Ten Championship, win, and then you're in the playoffs. But nope. So now, enjoy being number 11. Have fun. So, enough trashing in Iowa. Sorry, Iowa fans, Big Ten fans. It's the truth. Got to hear it somehow, somehow and sometime. Now, switching over to some college football news. Breaking, breaking, breaking this week. We had Coach O, Ed Orgeron. The Louisiana Bayou man, sounds like he gargles nails when he talks. He will be resigning after this season's played out. Again, that was horrible. After the season's over, pretty much. He will be stepping down and leaving LSU parting ways. He had a press conference the other day. Very emotional. Talked about Again, he's a Louisiana man, you know, honored, doesn't regret any of the time at LSU, but he realizes that they haven't played up to the standard of what LSU football is all about. Again, he just won a championship two years ago, went 15-0 with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Edward Zolaire, all those first-round picks, that offensive line, they won the best offensive line in the country, all those bulls. They went 15-0, the first team to go undefeated and up. Actually, strike that reverse. It. Clemson was the first team to go undefeated in a college football playoff season. They were the second team to do it, and they were probably one of the best teams I've seen in the past 10, 15 years playing college football. And that's coming from an Alabama fan. And I honestly didn't think he was going to be on the hot seat this soon. But other news has come out. And again, these are all allegations. I don't know if there's any formal investigations or what's going on or formal actual news about this, but... Um, apparently Coach O took a pass at some lady at a gas station, made some interesting comments, um, and apparently that lady was married to a teacher and administrator at LSU, and word got back to the athletic director. And then another thing was that apparently Coach O, some of his girlfriends would come to practice, and they would bring their kids, and they would perform in drills with the players. And again, this is all... Stuff I've read. Again, I don't know the validations of it. And then the last thing I read was just uh, the players and coaches. They just didn't want to play for him. They were um, they were done. They were just both. Everyone knew it was just they didn't want to play for him anymore. So 
Now they're going to go in a new direction. Again, who the head coach may be, who knows? I've heard much speculation. I heard reporters asking Jimbo Fisher in a press conference about it the other day. He is, again, his disciple of Nick Saban. He's the head coach of Texas A&M who just beat Alabama two weeks ago. He shot that down right away. He said, I'm the coach of Texas A&M, and that's, all, that's it. That's the end of the discussion. Apparently, other people, possibly James Franklin of Penn State, Crystal Ball, I've heard many different names be spun around. Who knows? Honestly, who knows? LSU, again, is a very historic program. Again, those people down in Louisiana, they're fanatical. Very big into their college sports. Very big into their sports in general. Very rich culture, obviously. New Orleans, Baton Rouge, a very big French influence. The Bayou, the Bayou, Bayou, not the Bayou by me. So... Whoever goes down there, definitely a great culture, great football program. Again, Louisiana is a hotbed for recruits. You know the area, Texas is right next door, Mississippi, Arkansas, Alabama. You're all within that range in the south. So it's definitely a, a gig, definitely a great gig. One of the, you know, I guess better college football jobs in college football, college football coaching jobs in college football. But, um. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what uh, the season entails at the end of the year for LSU, who they go after. Honestly, I couldn't tell you who, I guess, my front runner is for coach. I guess we'll have to see how more the season plays out. Maybe one other SEC coach will come from one school to the other, or maybe just someone totally outside of the conference. We'll see. Another big thing, we have news breaking this week. Effective in 2023, that's what they're shooting for, six schools have accepted invitations to the AAC. Now, the AAC is the American Athletic Conference. It is a Division I football conference, obviously. It's non-Power 5. And those six schools, they would be coming from the Conference USA Conference, which is another Division I non-Power 5 conference. You have FAU, Florida Atlantic University, Charlotte, North Texas, UTSA, Rice, and UAB. Those six schools will be making the move from Conference USA to the AAC. And again, like I always say, so much mix-up has happened with college football this year, with conference realignment, super conferences. This is just another wrinkle in that. Out of all those teams, if you were to ask me to rank some of the better ones, UAB and, um, and FAU have won the previous, I think, four out of five Conference USA titles. North Texas pulls out an upset every couple of years. UTSA is ranked within the top 25 for the first time in a long time this year. And Rice is also in Texas. They're a decent program. Haven't been good in a long time. Charlotte, obviously, in North Carolina. But definitely great acquisitions for the AAC, considering Houston, UCF, and a bunch of all those other schools, Houston, UCF, BYU is an independent, and um, they will be leaving, and Cincinnati will be leaving to join the Big 12 in 2023-2024. So they're trying to retool, add some new teams because of other teams leaving. Some more merger and conference realignment news. Southern Miss is set to join the Sun Belt Conference in 2023 as well. Again, that's what they're shooting for. And eventually I heard Marshall is another team to join the Sun Belt Conference. Sunbelt Conference is, I believe, teams like Arkansas State, Coastal Carolina, probably the most noteworthy one. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Coastal Carolina has been 
good in the past couple of years, just talking about the conference in general. They were ranked uh, 14th, 15th in the country. They just got upset, actually, putting into my next note. Appalachian State upset Coastal Carolina for their first loss, 30-27, to kick the game-winning field goal as the clock expired. And it was in Appalachian State. Um, this was their second win over a ranked opponent since 2007 Michigan. Michigan was ranked number two at the time. That was the first game of the season, 2007. It's one of the biggest and greatest upsets in the history of all sports. Appalachian State was unranked. Obviously, no one really knew or heard of the AOR. Michigan treated them as a joke. First game of the season, Michigan goes on the road there. Number two in the nation, they get upset. That was back in 2007. So this is, again, kudos to Appalachian State. Coastal Carolina has been on the rise. Quarterback Grayson McCall, who's a true freshman last year, looked great. They've looked great again this year. Obviously, they just lost. But, uh, hey, look, keep looking out for them. You know, next year, how long McCall stays in school. Kick him ball out. He's definitely, he ain't no scrub. So, shout out to them. Again, Appalachian State, man, doing what they do. Upset crazy time opponents. So, shout out to them. Awesome news. And last but not least, transitioning over to the games of the week. We have, I want to actually change it up a little bit. Normally, I just highlight some of the big games of college football. Now, what I think I'm going to do is, is every week, I'm going to talk about the top four teams. It's the top four teams, again, like we know, or for those of you who don't know, it's your first time, don't even know what college football is. College football, unlike other college sports, the top four teams in the rankings, they make the playoffs. So one plays four, two plays three, and then the winners of those games play in the national championship. So I'm going to talk about the top four teams every single week, no matter if they're playing scrubby teams, great teams, I'm going to mention it. And then the rest of the games I'm going to mention, I'm going to break down my conference and just, again, highlight the key games that I think are great, great rivalry games, exciting games, very historic games. Just, you know, if you want to tune in and get a taste of a really good game, very historic game, you know, just try to get a feel for college football. Again, if you're new, some of these games are really, you know, would be really great to watch. Again, this is my personal opinion. You might say it's a hot take. No, hot take is if you want to get into college football, watch some of these games. That's a fact. These are some great games that I got pulled up. But this week, we'll start off with the Big Ten. Actually, no, screw the conferences. We'll start off with the top four first, and then we'll go by conference. So, number one, Georgia has a bye. So, <laughs> Don't worry about that. That's very easy to start off with. They have a bye. Next week, they will play Florida. Like I said, Florida-Georgia game in Jacksonville. Florida also has a bye this week. Number two, Cincinnati, 6-0. They will be at Navy, who's 1-5, like I said. Cincinnati plays in a trash conference. Sorry, Cincinnati. It's the truth. That will be on ESPN2 at 12 p.m. noon Eastern time. Cincinnati, again, destiny lies in their own hands. They want to go undefeated. Show up and show out. Let's see it. Let's see it. It's all up to them. But we shall see. Now we have number three, Oklahoma, 7-0. They will be at Kansas, who's 1-5. That is on ESPN at 12 noon Eastern time. Oklahoma, again, controls their own destiny. Potentially could get upset 
by a couple teams. And again, that big game with Oklahoma State at the end of the year in Oklahoma State, that will be a true test to them as Oklahoma State is undefeated. But we shall see. Again, all lies in our hands. See if they see if they take it to Kansas. We shall see. Last but not least, we have number four, Bama, who will be hosting Tennessee. Tennessee is four and three. Bama is six and one. That will be 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. Just to interject into this game, obviously, as many of you know, for those of you who don't know, I went to the University of Alabama, roll tide till I die. And this game is very historic. It has been played for over 100 years. The last time Tennessee beat us was, let's see, I believe it was you know, 2000s, early 2000s, maybe late, actually late 2000s. Last time Tennessee beat Alabama. Sorry, I typed it in wrong. Here we go. It was... It was... Hmm. It was 2003. Wow. <laughs> that is very insane. <laughs> since Nick Saban has been in Tennessee... I'm, excuse me. Since Nick Saban has been in Alabama... They have not beaten them. So it's been 11 victories. It's been a long, long time. 11 years. Goodness, like what, 2008-ish, 2007. Yeah, since they beat us prior to Saban. But either way, very historic game. Actually, one of the cool things is after the game, the winner of the game, the fans, the coaches, the players in the locker room, everyone smokes cigars. So the winner of the game, which again, most likely Alabama, knock on wood, Depends what Bama shows up. Everyone smokes a nice light us up a stogie, and that's the tradition that they do. It's actually very awesome. I've partaken of that myself. Great tradition. Again, SEC football, gotta love it. Now let's go by conference to wrap up the final games. In the Big Ten, we have Northwestern, who's three and three at Michigan, who's six and oh. They are ranked number six in the country. That is 12 noon Eastern time on Fox. It's like Michigan, Michigan's undefeated. Control their own destiny. They got some tough games coming up in the future. They have to play Michigan State at the end of the year. Still Ohio State and Penn State. So keep an eye on them. We shall see. This is the highest ranking Michigan's had in a long, long time, especially on the Jim Harbaugh. See if they're for real or not. Another big game we have Ohio State, number five in the country, who's five and one at Indiana, who is two and four. That game is on ABC, 7:30 p.m. Eastern Time. Ohio State, as we know, has one loss. They lost to Oregon's second game of the season at home. Again, Ohio State's got to win every game if they want to make the playoffs. they got to win every game throughout the regular season. That means beating Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State. And they would have to win the Big Ten. Again, they can do it. I honestly still think they're the best team in the Big Ten on that side. But who knows? they definitely got to beat Indiana. Indiana has given them a problem over the past couple of years. Not beating them wise, but just keeping the game close. So stay tuned for that. In the ACC, we have Clemson, who's 4-2 and two and unranked. At Pitt, who's 23 in the country, they're 5-1. and one. That game is at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. Pitt has shocked everyone this year. Their quarterback has been balling out. Again, wouldn't be shocked if Clemson lost this game. Also, I'm not trying to you know, show bias because I really don't like Clemson. But Pitt this year, 
with that quarterback. Again, Clemson could still pull it out. They are trash this year. Trust me, they're trash. But, again, who knows? See what's pit if Pitt's really about it this year, tune in for that game. In the Big 12, besides the Oklahoma-Kansas game I talked about before, we have Oklahoma State at Iowa State. Oklahoma State is number 8 in the country. They're 6-0. Iowa State is 4-2. The game is at 3.30 Eastern time on Fox. Again, Oklahoma State could be the one true competition Oklahoma in the Big 12, a.k.a. the basketball conference. They want to make the playoffs. They want to win the Big 12. They got to take care of business. Beat up Purdy and the great running back that Iowa State has. Who his name is slipping my mind. And honestly, it shouldn't be. Wow, this is bad. Let's see. He was up for the Heisman, too, at the beginning of the year. It is Brees Hall. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. Bonk me on the head, call me a weenie. That's I should have known that off the top of my head, but it's okay. So brain cramp, brain cramp. So Brees Hall, Purdy, again, tough components. They haven't lived up the expectations this year. So Oklahoma State, Gundy, if you guys want to stay undefeated, go out there and get the dub. Last but not least, the SEC. Like I mentioned Tennessee at Bama. And we also have that's pretty much the biggest game in the SEC. And then last but not least, independent game. Actually, I'll go to the Pac-12, then the independent. Pac-12, we have Oregon, who's number 10. They are 5-1. They will be at UCLA, who's 5-2. Chip Kelly has the team playing good this year. It will be held at the Rose Bowl. College game day will be out there. Kirk, Reese Davis, Chris Fowler, Lee Corso, all the boys, Desmond Howard, they'll all be out there. The game will be on 3.30 p.m. on ABC. That's Eastern time. Oregon, again, had that heartbreak loss to Stanford in, double, in single overtime. That knocked them out of, they were number three in the country. Now they probably will not be making the playoffs. We'll see. This is a battle. Who will probably win the Pac-12? So stay tuned for that. Last but not least, we have Southern Cal against Notre Dame. Southern Cal. USC is 3-3. Three three. Notre Dame is number 13 in the country. They're 5-1. That is 7.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC. Again, Notre Dame kind of let everyone down this year. Again, I don't believe they were as good as they have in past years, but Jack Cohen, their starting quarterback, has looked good. And then big Brian Kelly decides to take them out. They have faltered. They had their loss to Cincinnati. And they have struggled throughout the year. But I still believe in Cohen. Again, very historic game between very two historic programs. That'll be in South Bend. Tune in for that as well. That wraps up the games of the week. Again, thank you everybody for tuning in, sticking with me. For those of you who are new to the family and to the podcast, I appreciate you showing up, listening. You know, I just appreciate taking time out of your day, getting into new things whether it's college football, trying to learn more about the sport, or again, just finding a podcast you like to listen to. I appreciate it. I appreciate the support and the love. And um, I hope everyone loves, you know, what I'm doing because I really enjoy it. College football is my passion. And I enjoy doing this every week. So everyone, be safe, be well and healthy. And uh, thank you. Thank you again.
everybody. Alrighty. Peace.